Welcome to the New England Take on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. NH Talk Radio to get the back episodes of the show and check out our social media presence on New England Take on Facebook and Twitter. Been pretty active on those, including video versions of the show. Joined today by Greg Moore. He's the uh, director of Americans for Prosperity, state director for Americans for Prosperity in New Hampshire. First time on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me, AJ. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. You're you're talking on the road. You're gonna be you're traveling around uh, from Richmond to Washington D.C. What have you been up to? I just went down to help out our Virginia team for a little bit. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet some new folks down there, and getting ready to come back to come back to the Granite State, live for your die. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So speaking of, right now we're talking about the 2022 legislative scorecard that uh, Americans for Prosperity New Hampshire has just released. What's the basis for this? So every year, Americans for Prosperity uh, scores legislation. Uh, during the course of the legislative session, we send out key vote alerts to legislators. So none of the legislators should be particularly surprised by their scores. And then at the end of the session, we uh, wrap up all the scores and we put it into a, a legislative scorecard. And we allow the public a chance to see how their legislators are performing relative to the notions of economic freedom. A number of work we're doing on things like reducing regulation, uh, making sure we have a criminal justice system that, that is smart on crime and easy on taxpayers, and fundamentally trying to get government out of the lives of uh, most grand estates and keep New Hampshire the freest state in the country. And so we compile those to get in, the, in our scorecard. This year's 2022 legislative scorecard is available on nhscorecard.com. That's nhscorecard.com. I'd encourage your re- readers to go and take a look. So people aren't necessarily familiar with Americans for us for prosperity. What what would be a good way to describe how the people you support stand out? Maybe are different, especially in New Hampshire. It seems like a lot of them are Republican leaning, although there are some that uh, are on the left that uh, share in the more libertarian side of uh, of the political spectrum. Uh, what sorts of ways do do the candidates that you your organization supports makes them stand out? Well, uh, yeah, we, you, you predicted it. We, uh, we work with a lot of liberty-oriented legislators. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I'll tell you, fundamentally, we'll work with anyone. It doesn't uh, matter what party is after their name. Uh, and sometimes it's on an issue-by-issue basis. Sometimes we might disagree on 90% of the things. But instead of saying, let's fight about the 90%, we say, hey, let's find the 10% where we can work together and, and start to find a way to, to make that happen. So there are a number of issues you'll see in a scorecard such as uh, reducing the criminal penalties on cannabis uh, that, that got a lot of support. In fact, in some cases, more support from Democrats than, than, than among Republicans. And uh, we, we want to make sure that people have an opportunity that, that, to weigh in on, on these issues, have those conversations with their legislators. So Americans for Prosperity as a whole has been around uh, nationally since 2004 and in, in New Hampshire since 2008. And uh, we've been advancing these liberty-oriented issues, issues uh, free market, trying to get government out of the business, picking winners and losers, reducing the, the burden of taxes and regulation, and allowing people to live as freely as possible. In the fiscal responsibility side, it must be a balance that needs to be struck because AFP has been very in support of education freedom accounts, for example, uh, which is a, a use of tax money. Uh, it, it, that, that's the whole function of it. I, where, how does fiscal responsibility fit into the balance here? Well, we think that uh, we think that first and foremost that uh, government has some roles that they need to perform. 
one of them being uh, providing an opportunity for children to get to the best educational environment that meets their needs. And education freedom accounts are a great example of that. So fun fundamentally, we think that uh, government should be uh, small and efficient. Uh, we need to understand what the proper role of government is. And I think that there's, uh, that's part of a conversation that, that maybe not everyone agrees with, but we're, we're happy to engage in that conversation. We think that the proper role of government should be to ensure that, that we're defending the rights and, and liberties of, of all people and giving uh, folks that opportunity to, to, to grow and thrive in society with as limited interference as possible. And so uh, whether it's education freedom accounts or uh, providing employer tax relief that makes the state more competitive and enhances the New Hampshire advantage, there are a number of issues where we weigh in on fiscal, fiscal responsibility and have done so this year. And we actually got the fifth round of business tax reduction passed in the last seven years. Uh, something we're pretty proud of, and it's, it's something that uh, we think has proved dividends by seeing record business, business tax revenues coming into the state. So ultimately, uh, we think that the, the, the philosophy is of, of a lower tax rates and increased uh, tax revenues, and that's something that we can all be proud of, and I think it's made the state more, more competitive and more attractive for employers to want to locate here. So right now, I talk to employers, the biggest problem they have is they can't find workers, and they can't bring workers in because they have no place for them to live. So, you know, there are a number of other issues we're going to continue to work on. Housing is definitely a, right up there as a top issue that we're going to be working through. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the 2022 scorecard gives folks uh, a snapshot on the issues that, that came up this year and hopefully starts to preview some of the issues that we'll be looking at next year. Hey, housing isn't necessarily something that was on the, the list that, that I received from the press release on this, but that, that's such an important thing issue right now in the state that I've been speaking extensively on all my programs here on WKXL. Uh, I mean, you hit an issue with, with once again, with fiscal responsibility with this, like the Invest New Hampshire uh, program where they're trying to put money at, throw money at developers and legislative change. Uh, where does AFP and the 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 candidates and le legislators that you support stand on investing directly into things like uh, zoning changes, uh, assisting developers with subsidies and such, or do you feel like there's another way to fix the housing problem in the state? We do. We think there's another way. Fundamentally, uh, one of the biggest problems we have uh, and we've seen is is uh, that. In many cases, these zoning and planning boards don't, don't even follow state law, knowing full well that if you if, if someone if they violate someone's rights and, and uh, someone wants to go to court, it's going to take typically about three years or more for them to get resolution, at which point mo nobody will even begin to entertain that. One of the bills we supported this year, but ultimately got, got buried uh, in, in an interim study, so therefore didn't get an actual floor vote, uh, was uh, legislation, House Bill 1098, that would have created a land court docket. And what that means is that all these land use cases could have gone onto a rocket docket where if someone brought a case where a zoning or planning board violated someone's legal rights, they could get a, re a re result within five months that ultimately uh, lead to, will lead to uh, more opportunities for housing growth. Uh, we think that, we think that this, uh, this theory of just throwing more money in an effort to try to uh, bribe developers in order, to, in order to put up with the zoning hassles they have to deal with is, is wrong-headed. Uh, fundamentally, we need to rein in some of these zoning and planning boards and allow people to have their property rights back so they can develop their property as they see fit. So it kind of spins off of that a bit. I mean, one of the points was ending corporate welfare. What exactly do you mean by that, especially at the state level? 
Well, at the state level, there are a number of programs that pick winners and losers. Uh, subsidies, a lot of them you'll see them in the energy sector where, where they'll, they'll pick a preferred energy type and, and the state will subsidize it. We see that uh, through the Renewable Energy Fund. We see that through the Renewable Portfolio Standard. Uh, we see that through a number of areas, uh, whether it's whether it's the biomass, uh, the biomass, uh, Burgess Biomass Plant up in Berlin, uh, where fundamentally one industry over another is, is being subsidized. We saw that. We saw that, frankly, uh, in the the tax exemption that was given out back in 2018. Another example of corporate welfare. And, and we want to step up to make sure that these issues come up. We're going to make sure that the public knows that we're, that we're watching these folks and that we're going, to try, we're going to hold them accountable. And so ultimately, we think the free market works, works best without the government deciding who should be a winner and who should be a loser. So, I mean, what, what ways do you feel like the state should be doing then to encourage certain businesses that we definitely have a need for to, to enter the market here, up here in New Hampshire? Like, what mechanisms do you feel like should be used instead of these, the current ones that are in place? Well, it's important to understand the states that are using those corporate, uh, those corporate incentives, as they like to call them, uh, uh, frankly, are, are, simply, are simply chasing against each other. So the, the businesses uh, realize that they can become just as profitable by, by seeking government aid as they can by making a product or, or service that's, that's worthwhile. So we want to, instead, we want to make sure that uh, we're instead being more competitive by offering lower, lower taxes, uh, a better quality of life, and more opportunity. Now, again, we, we've been doing a lot of those things very well in New Hampshire, but the biggest problem we have right now is, is, that, is simply put, there's a lack of workers. And uh, businesses, while very interested in moving to the state because of all the competitive advantages it has, uh, they simply can't do it because they say, well, where am I going to find my workers? And, that, and that, I suppose one could argue that's the first world problem, but then you ask, why don't we have the workers? Because we know that if, if there had the opportunity to, to live here, a lot, of pe- a lot more people would move into the state. And one of the biggest barriers is the housing issue. So we have to solve the housing issue. We have to get that squared away. We have to, we have to make sure we have a better a better uh, competitive advantage to offer businesses, whether that means lowering tax burdens as well or lifting regulations. And fu- fundamentally, businesses that, that, that the businesses that are coming here are, are the businesses that don't want to play that corporate welfare game. And and frankly, those are the businesses we'd rather have. Speaking with American for Prosperity in New Hampshire, State Director Greg Moore, who's on the road right now heading over to Washington, D.C., so I'm very happy that he's taking the time today to speak with me. Uh, basically, another issue, in addition to housing, that's a, a huge impact on workers and residents just in general of the state is health care and increasing access to it in an affordable way. Because obviously, health care is extremely expensive in this country. Uh, what are some ways that, at the, at the state level, you're supporting legislators that are doing specific bills? Are there specific reforms within the private sector? Uh, what sorts of things should people be keeping an eye out for? Well, one of the first things we have to do is we have to limit the supply. Fundamentally, uh, it is very hard to build a new health care facility in the state of New Hampshire. And to put some, put some actual meat on the bone of that, consider that since the 1980 census, so the 2020 census, New Hampshire's population has grown by 50%. However, the state of New Hampshire has not built a new hospital since 1983. And the reason for that are because of some of the restrictions on building facilities that we have. There was a piece of legislation this year, House Bill 1044, that would have allowed facilities to open up that took direct payment only, meaning that, that uh, they just took either, either 
cash or, or payment, but they wouldn't take third-party reimbursements, and they, w- and they wouldn't take uh, uh, government insurance programs. Well, that legislation thankfully passed the House, but unfortunately it stalled in the state Senate. And again, we scored that legislation, uh, and frankly, it was unfortunate only four state senators vote- voted in favor of it. Yeah, but that means we have more work to do. Uh, there were a number of pieces of legislation. Uh, there was a number of pieces of legislation that have been proposed to, to remove a lot of these barriers. We want to uh, encourage the legislature to start really putting more attention on them, such as some of the restrictions on telemedicine, some of the restrictions on facilities. Uh, we think we need to lift those barriers that have put, been put in place to, to protect the existing players and worry less about keeping the existing players uh, protected and treating them like treating healthcare facilities like they're a regulated utility and providing a more open competition to allow new entrants to come in and provide lower uh, lower cost high quality care. Yeah, I mean, this is more of a, a larger scale problem that I'm hoping to bring some guests on to eventually discuss. But I mean, it, right now with the hospitals, we do have the prices so extreme and you're talking it's probably going to be it's going to be several years before a new huge hospital facility can get built if they and operational um if we do, if you do manage to get some of these changes in place that you're hoping to see, I mean, what about is 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 there any intermediate change that you would like to see that may lower the cost for New Hampshire residents? Absolutely, one of them would be legislation that was proposed this year uh, that uh, that would have allowed for the for the uh, sale sale of of short uh, sale and continual renewal of short term health insurance policies. Now these policies. Uh, aren't, as, aren't as complete as a typical typical health insurance policy that you might see elsewhere. But for uh, certain people who are trying to bridge the gap while they either have lost their employer health health insurance or are just coming in for a short, a short period of time, these are a, a low-cost alternative that would reduce the cost of, of insurance for a number of people. Uh, but right now they're regulated to a, a maximum limit of six months. So we think that, that, that that should be extended. We think that people should have uh, an even greater opportunity to, to buy different types of uh, health insurance policies, go to different type of, uh, of, of health care facilities uh, that, would, that would actually provide more choice and competition in the marketplace. Right now, there's, there's very little choice and competition. What we talked about is, is corporate welfare. But one type of corporate welfare is actually a regulating competition out of the marketplace. And we see a lot of that in healthcare. Sector, both on the insurance side and the facility side. So, if we want to get serious about lowering healthcare costs across New Hampshire, getting rid of those, those basically that version of corporate welfare, that cronyism of, of eliminating competition, is, is absolutely critical. This is, I'm, I'm enjoying this tangent, so we're going to continue this for another second. Um, I, I mean, is the, is the solution also partially not allowing? cross-border competition when it comes to, to insurance providers? Because right now it's it's state-to-state state when it comes to how these providers are really able to operate, and that really limits the amount of competition that's allowed. Absolutely. All these alternatives, across, across state borders, allowing association health plans where, where, where uh, trade groups could get a number of their members together to buy, to buy a certain type of policy or plan, uh, all these are great ideas. Uh, all these are, are opportunities that would fundamentally provide more more uh, competition within the marketplace, and ultimately that's what drives down costs. Unfortunately, as a result of the Affordable Care Act, a lot of insurance uh, insurance companies lost much of an incentive uh, to actually reduce costs. One of the provisions in the Affordable Care Act is something is something that's uh, that, that, that that's uh, required 
them to, p- to pay out typically 85% of their costs and claims. Well, that means the only way that they can make more profit is, is to raise the cost of the policy. So if, if it's a perverse incentive uh, to, to suggest that for an insurance company to make more money, they have to have to raise uh, have to raise the price of their policies. But that's exactly what the environment does right now. So trying to find alternatives to that, trying to find opportunities for, for new, new uh, health insurance, health facility, everything, uh, health care provider. Thankfully, there's been some progress. In 2019, the state legislature passed a direct primary care law where you can have a uh, deal where you maybe pay a doctor $300 a month, and they take care of all your primary care, and, uh, and it's paid for. And it's, so basically, it's just prepaid care. That's a great alternative for, for a number of people, and I know several people are taking advantage of that. And they tell me that the quality is absolutely fantastic, and uh, they, they've been encouraging other people to take that, those types of plans as well. But we need more choices, more competition, getting rid of a lot of these barriers, getting rid of, rid of a lot of the regulation, and that ultimately is what help, will help reduce the cost of the cost of healthcare. All right, the last couple of minutes here. I mean, who are some standouts on the 2022 uh, legislative scorecard that uh, maybe up and comers people should keep an eye out for? And what are some of the policies you feel like that uh, they're helping to spearhead will be very important? Oh, absolutely. The, the good news is is that in the House there were 46 people who got an A plus with us. Now, an A plus means that you that uh, you voted with the AFP position and you cast every single vote. So we want to thank a lot of those people. I know, for example, Representative Michael Yakubovich, who's from Hookson, is running for state senate. So he has an opportunity to take the quality work he's been doing in the House and take it to the state senate. This is a great example of someone who's been doing just that. Some of the other leaders in the House, people like uh, Representative Scott Wallace, uh, Representative Chris True over in the Criminal Justice Committee, they've been doing great work as well. A number of people, a number of people, for example, on the Health and Human Services Committee, Representative Erica Leon, a freshman who's already the vice chairman of that committee. So there are a ton of people who are bringing a lot to the table. Those are some of the some of the people that uh, that if if, uh, if if you have a chance, check it out. Go go online. Take a look at take a look at the uh, nhscorecard.com. Plug in your zip code, and you can see how your legislators scored this year. So we're close to the New Hampshire primary. Are there some uh, races that people should definitely keep an eye out for? Absolutely. I, I think that I think that frankly, the, the New Hampshire Senate race is, is one that uh, on the Republican side is getting a lot of attention. Uh, certainly, been a lot of national attention with uh, some some biggest uh, folks close to uh, Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, spending about four million dollars to. to Bruce Senate President Chuck Morris and his battle against uh, General Don Boldick. In the first district Republican primary, you, you certainly see a, a vigorous primary between Caroline Levitt and Matt Mowers. And then on the Democratic side, in the Executive Council District 2 race, you have uh, a current Executive Councilor Cindy Warmington running, run, running against former Executive Councilor Michael Cryan. Those are some of the big races that I think a lot of people are watching. All right. Greg Moore, Americans for Prosperity, New Hampshire State Director. Appreciate you joining me today. Thanks for having me, AJ. So nhscorecard.com, if anyone wants to check out the uh, scorecard that we're discussing on today's episode, it's really interesting if you want to check out your, it lets you do a search for uh, your part of the state and everything to see which uh, candidates might matter for you if you're more on the uh, libertarian side of the house. All right. You're listening to New England Take on WKXL. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this.